excited about today's message, and I know you hear me say that a lot, but I'm especially excited today because we have our uh, district supervisor here with us, Pastor Dave Veach and his wife, Wendy Veach, and uh, we love having him here. Uh, Sometimes he comes and hangs out with us, and today he's going to come and share the word with us, and so I'm just really excited for that. So will you help me, join me in welcoming him up here? Uh, The Veach is here. Love you guys. So thankful for you guys investing in our lives. I mean, from when we were youth pastors to family pastor, executive pastor to here, and it was all because you guys saw something in us that we didn't see at the time, but you believe in us and gave us an opportunity. So thank you. Thank you. Missy and Tracy. Well, I'd like to let my wife um, just open it up. Go, Go ahead, baby. Talk. You meant to say talk. She talks a lot. I'm okay with that. I love to give gifts, and um, I love to receive gifts. Anybody else love to receive gifts? I love to just, it's not a clue or anything, but I did have a birthday yesterday, so. But anyways, thank you. I won't tell you how old I am, but I've had a lot of birthdays. I love to give gifts because I think they represent gratitude, and we have a lot of gratitude for this family. You weren't in the last service, so I wasn't crying, but now I'm just moved to tears because you were here. So I got an L, obviously, for their name. But as I was researching scripture and praying for them, because I actually, I don't know if you know how much we pray for you guys, but we do. And because transition's never easy, and I remember, and she was in my Bible study, and so I knew some of the things she was challenged with. And so... As I was researching scripture, I just want to be able to share this. Can you hold it up so I read it? Because I'm not that talented. My teachings will give you a long and prosperous life. Proverbs 3, 2. And I was focusing on the word teachings. And I know as believers, those of you who especially have walked with the Lord a long time, you know that Reading the scripture and just reading it and not applying it is, is the two different things, right? Because we can read the scripture, but if we don't grab and live those teachings, it uh, can be a more difficult life. And as I was dwelling on this scripture, it came to me that if you keep reading in Proverbs, it talks about the teachings of Jesus, and he tells us in the Proverbs to keep his teaching as the apple of his his eye. He says to keep his teaching, to write them on the tablet of your heart and to bind them on your finger, just to remember the teachings, not just to be reading for the sake of reading. That's not why we read our devotions daily. We They're transforming. He transforms us through the word and his teachings. And it goes on to say, um, once you have this teaching, that wisdom or insight in some translations, wisdom is called insight, to call her your intimate friend. Because those teachings will transform you as you begin to live with that wisdom and that insight and and. It's a small token for the great big job you're doing, loving your community, loving your people. And we just want to honor you and say thank you and bless you. Mm 
Well, um, it's great to be here. It's two and a half years ago I was here installing you guys. Whole Foursquare family praying over you, going like, oh God. (laughs) They know not what they're doing. And that's a really good thing. Before I get into that, I want to just welcome you on behalf of Foursquare. JC over in the corner, he and I get to uh, serve uh, the Northwest District, 200 plus churches. We say from Fargo to Forks, uh, travel a bunch, getting to see all of those different churches from time to time, and it's great to be able to, to do that and, and be part of a family. It's uh, amazing the things that we can do better together, and one of them was uh, just recently shown to us when we were on vacation in Zihuataneo, Mexico. Now, let me just remind you, my wife is a school teacher. That's the only reason you, you'd go to Zihuat in the summer. Uh, every, every person at this resort that was vacationing there in the, were all teachers. That was the only time they could go there. And so everyone else waited till a really good time, like November. And um, we're hanging out there, and we met some 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 uh, former Americans who were down there planting a church, and part of their ministry was at the dump, the Zihuataneo dump, and it was my greatest example of human flourishing ever to this day, because this dump, and if you've ever been to a third world country dump, they are not gracious or kind or, or nice in any fashion. This thing was completely ordered. There was a school. They were doing ministry there, and the people had new life at, at, a, at the Zihuataneo Mexico dump. Uh, partly because of your investment into Foursquare. They're there doing ministry there. And so thank you for being partnering with uh, other Foursquare churches, missions, ministries all over the world. So back to Omar and Misty. Two and a half years ago, a little more than that, we sat at Moctezuma's restaurant in Mexico, or not in Mexico, felt like Mexico. Uh, It's the best Mexican food, makes you feel like you're there right across from both of our offices at that time, and we probably sat there for a good two hours, maybe more, and trying to explain to Omar that John was leaving, John and Wendy both, and um, they needed a pastor, and the whole staff said they wanted Omar and Misty, and I'm like, we'll try, but Omar's sitting there going like, he's not budging, I mean like, he's committed, he's faithful, He's going to serve this uh, church that he's serving in Tacoma until Jesus comes back. Um, and Misty keeps kicking him under the table, and he keeps going, no, I mean, I'm just going to keep doing this. Finally, like, it took us like two and a half hours, I think, to get him to agree to pray, right? <laughs> okay, 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 I'll pray about it. Will you let me go to the bathroom? Because we wouldn't let him get up until he agreed to pray about it. And finally, after like a couple months, it felt like of him praying, he's like, okay, okay, I'll talk to them. <laughs> and then finally, the Lord uh, spoke to him, he felt, and it was confirmed that he was to come here. And um, then we had to get his pastor to let him come. That took another, I don't know how many months. Like, yeah, but he can't leave for like 100 weeks, if I like, because maybe I can just talk him into it if I keep him here long enough, to keep him into staying. And so two and a half years. Do you guys still like them? That's what we're here to talk about today, Omar and Misty. 
How many of you are old enough to remember coffee percolators? This morning I got up, I did not use a percolator. I used a Krueig. 5.30 this morning, I had my first cup. 7.30 this morning, I brought my wife in bed, her first cup. And uh, just like that, boom. But percolators used to send water, boiling water up to the top. Boom, sit into those grounds, fall back. There was no good way to cheat and get a quick cup of coffee. You ever try that with a percolator? You know, like, like a pot of coffee now, like the good ones, you can pull it out and it'll still be brewing and you can steal like the first cup. Don't do it till about, it gets to about four because it's really nasty. Ask me how I know. Um, but Krugs, you can get really fast. Percolators, that's your pastor. He percolates on things. And that is a good thing. It's a little old school, but hey, I would rather have that than someone that's grabbing the ring. Trust me, there's a lot of people out there that are grabbing the ring, trying to climb to the top, and the ones that are percolating on things, you're like, you know what, that person I can follow. I'm here, I think, to receive the Father of the Year award. Is that right? Um, all the gray hair and like the old guy now. And, um, and so I want to talk about something that I'm good at. Uh, that's wisdom. My kids call me the voice of reason. If they don't want to hear what they, don't, what they sh- are doing is stupid, they don't call. <laughs> because I'm the voice of reason. I'm going to help you think through things and make a wise, reasonable choice. Um, I want to look at 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15. If we can turn there or look at your electronic devices, I will not scold you for having your phone out. Uh, you could be playing Tetris, I don't know. Um, check the scores. The Raiders lost. Oh, there's a shock. <laughs> Go Hawks, right? Come on. But it's hard to like get on people that are Raider fans, isn't it? Because you just kind of feel bad for them. Oh, Oh, your best player is not going to play this year because he can't wear his helmet. Oh, in Gruden we trust. Hmm. Let's trade away our best player who gets four sacks his first game traded. All righty then. Raider fans were either born there or they're contrarians. You know, JC's a Raiders fan. He's just a contrarian. Because JC, all of his friends are Seahawks fans. So what, he, what is he not going to be? There you go. But you know if you're a Raider fan, you've been there for a long, long time. Because you didn't sign up for that lately. You're like, no. <laughs> Should I keep going? You guys like this way too much. 2 Timothy 3, starting in verse 15. Remember what you were taught from your childhood from the Holy Scrolls, which can impart to you wisdom to experience everlasting life through the faith of Jesus, the anointed one. Every scripture has been inspired by the Holy Spirit, the breath of God. It will empower you by its instruction and correction, giving you the strength to take the right direction and lead you deeper into the path of godliness. Then you will be God's servant, fully mature and perfectly 
prepared to fulfill any assignment God gives you. That last sentence, uh, the last half of it, fully mature and perfectly prepared to fulfill any assignment God gives you. How many of you feel like you're there? I still feel like I'm trying to figure out what I'm going to do when, when I grow up. Anybody else? Like, can fully mature. Um, that's something that we really want to take to heart because I think that the Lord looks at maturity a little different than you and I because I'm not feeling incredibly mature. I'm feeling sometimes there's a lot of growth that yet needs to happen. So here we are. It's fall. We're already laughing at the Raiders, how bad they're going to do. Um, but the cool thing about fall is, I don't know about you, but Northwest, my favorite season is fall because the air starts to change. There's football in the, in the just in the, in the air. It's everywhere. And people have been talking about it all year. I mean, I listen to sports radio. I drive a lot with these 200 churches from Fargo to Forks. I listen to a lot of sports talk, and they just talk. And it's like sometimes you have nothing to say. Uh, it's time for a podcast. What's Malcolm Gladwell contrarian about today? I'll l- listen to those. And um, now it's football season, and it starts to get cool. And my favorite part of it getting cool is lighting a fire <laughs> and sitting and watching some television in the evening. Anybody else like a fire? Yeah. There's something about it. For, for the first 30 years of our marriage, we heated with a wood stove. It wasn't because we loved it. It's because we had no money. <laughs> I mean, we had the heat. And you ever use a baseboard, baseboard heater, and then pay the bill? Yeah, you'll light a fire too, right? (laughs) How do we not do that again? I used to go in and unplug my kids, literally disconnect them because they would come home, the house is cold, and they're like, well, I just turned this thing on. No, you won't. Uh, (laughs) uh, So um, for 20 years, we cut firewood. Now we we have uh, a gas stove. It's so much easier. Walk over. Man, they say firewood cuts, uh, it heats you twice. It's not true. That's not true at all. It heats you seven times. Listen to this. When you cut it, when you split it, when you load it in your truck, when you unload it in your truck, from your truck, when you stack it, when you bring it in, and then when you burn it. Seven ways. Seven ways. I did that for three decades. That was my day off, recreation, cutting firewood. When we were right out of college, I was a school teacher in Shelton, Washington, the land of rain and Christmas trees, Simpson Timber. We became the youth pastors in this tiny little church. The first year we were there, they're like, you look normal. Could you, would you be our youth pastor? <laughs> All right. That was the job interview. And uh, so we became the youth pastor. And we thought, what should a youth pastor do? We should take them on a mission trip. A friend of mine had done this, so we said, let's go. And the problem with taking your kids to a mission trip when you're from Shelton is no one has a dollar, let alone, I don't know, probably cost us $250 back then. Uh, They didn't have that, so we decided we'd cut firewood. And all these guys are loggers. I mean, what else are you going to do in Shelton? It rains 60 inches a year. So we cut firewood every Saturday, and we would just go, and these guys are amazing. I mean, I've never seen anything like it. I grew up in Ephrata. I'm not afraid of nothing, but I grew up there. And uh, we cut sagebrush occasionally, but I mean, there's nothing to cut. Nothing grows there. It rains like eight inches a year. So if you don't have like a sprinkler system, like irrigation, which was my first job, changing hand lines so something would grow, alfalfa, I think, 
And so we would change that, but, but there was not a problem. Everything grew, and there's loggers everywhere. And they were amazing with these chainsaws called still. In fact, they would never use, you couldn't even go out on the, to the hill with another brand of chainsaw. They wouldn't allow it. And so these guys were like masters with this. Now, again, Ephrata and chainsaws. Like, excuse me, I don't even know what that is. So I'm like making all kinds of mess. They give me an old one, great big huge bar on it. I don't know what I was doing, but I'm cutting firewood and, and I can't keep up with these guys. I mean, they're pros. Not only are they pros, they know how to sharpen them really well. And I would, they would say, here, do this. I'd do it. It didn't work. It started cutting like sideways. And then they'd fix it. And then I would stick it into the dirt. And I didn't know. Dirt is made out of rocks. Rocks are not good on sharp objects unless you're using that rock to sharpen it. We was, I was using it to dull it. Look at this scripture. Ecclesiastes 10.10 says, if the axe is dull, that was me, and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed, but skill will bring success. So just push harder on that chainsaw, right? That's what I was trying, and it didn't work so well. They said, like, look, just do this and stop sticking it in the dirt. Great idea. So I learned from them wisdom of how to cut firewood. We would... we. 50 bucks a cord back then. This is a long time ago. For many of you were born. And we just hauled truckload after truckload after truckload until we could take all these young people. Why do I say all that? Because your life can be like your saw, like these lumberjack saw, or it can be like my saw. Your life can be sharp or it can be dull. Your life can be full of wisdom or it can be full of poor choices. Young people, young leaders, speaking specifically about young leaders, how can we follow young leaders when they don't have gray hair? They have tons of energy, but they don't have any wisdom or life experience. How can you follow a young leader? How can they make wise decisions? Young can work really hard. They have lots of energy, but they're often not that sharp. What is it that causes us to be sharp? First point today is wisdom is found in scripture. What we just read, remember, and by the way, this, that's the passion translation, which I've just kind of fallen in love with lately. Remember what you were taught from your childhood, from the Holy Scrolls, which can impart to you wisdom. Where do you get wisdom? Life is school, school of hard knocks? Scripture. School of hard knocks is a good teacher. The tuition really sucks. Has anybody paid that? I've paid it before. But, but wisdom really comes from Scripture. And you can learn how to be sharp through Scripture. If you're choosing to be wise, listen, here's two definitions. Wise, having or showing experience, knowledge and good judgment. Having or showing experience. You don't necessarily have to, to have experience. You can show experience from knowledge. What kind of knowledge? We're talking about Bible knowledge. Webster says this, characterized by wisdom, marked by deep understanding, keen discernment, and capacity for sound judgment. Where do you learn? Well, the Holy Scriptures. That's what it's telling us. Look at them and see how your life needs to change. Look at them and see how 
You can grow. Look at them and see how you can become what God's called you to be. What's interesting about wisdom and living a sharp life, it, I, you could use a different word, and that word would be soul care. Soul care is something that doesn't come up a lot in today's world. And I think, unfortunately, because your sharpness is depending upon how well you take care of your soul. Your sharpness is depending on how sharp you keep yourself based upon the word of God, based upon your time with him, based upon being willing to listen to him and obey him. And the wisdom of scripture is what causes us to make good decisions. You can follow young leaders that are in the word because they're gonna make good, godly, biblical decisions. That's how you learn wisdom. Wisdom, and my second point, is found in Jesus. Verse 15 says, to experience everlasting life through the faith of Jesus, the anointed one. What comes in Jesus? Great decisions. Eternal life. Salvation. Staying out of the dirt. Staying true to your spouse. Becoming saved. Becoming filled with the Spirit. Becoming anointed. Becoming all that God's called you to be. Why? Because the Scripture points us to the Savior. And if we're in the scripture, we don't worship scripture, but we see in scripture Jesus. And in Jesus is where wisdom is, in his heart, in his, in his life, in the way he, he, he leads us and guides us. No matter how much dirt you have on you today or have in your past, he cleans you. You might be the still saw like me that's sticking yourself in the dirt regularly, He'll pull you out of the dirt and he will cleanse you. He will purify you. He will make you perfect in God's sight. So it doesn't matter where you are today. It doesn't matter that you were a bad seed or a bad this or a bad that. God says, I see you and I will cleanse you and I will purify you. And my dad just passed away the 21st of July. It, I was standing in line with two of our grandchildren, two of his great-grandchildren, in line for Winnie the Pooh at Disneyland, the happiest place on earth, when I was notified of his passing. When someone like that in your, in your life passes, it can create for you some, I don't know, some odd, odd emotion, like I use the word often uh, disconcerting or surreal or just kind of like not really real. And so for the first 40 years of my life, I was trying not to be my father, and then I figured out I was him. And now I figured out like, okay, there's parts of my dad that are really good and parts of my dad I don't want to live out. Parts of my dad I want to take the wisdom of scripture and live in, in a different way. And so wisdom is found in Jesus. It's found in our, our heritage. DNA is strong. Anybody ever, anyone else act like their parents? Like what is that? Our youngest just told me he's signed up for his first counseling appointment. I thought, oh, no, don't go. I said, I'm so sorry. I, I really, I think it was your mother. Um, right? Because, like, we're the problem, right? So my dad passes. My kids are going to counseling, probably going to deal with their family of origin issues. Like, what other issues are there really? Right? I mean, that's always where it comes back down to. Moms always get a clean bill. They're just loving, kind. 
It's always the dad. Like, oh man, I knew it was coming. And not just that, okay, you fill out a form now. My dad just passes. I fill out any form. Guess where I am in the boxes, the age boxes? I'm like the last box. I'm like the last box. I don't know if I'm the last generation. I'm filling out the form that's the last box. And so and now my kids are going to counseling for me. What in the world? I got gray hair. I'm wise. I'm a good guy. This is a good thing. Right? But here's the, here's the deal, people. I deal with a lot of aging pastors. Listen to a podcast last week that said 90% of leaders would prefer that their organization actually dies than they would pass it off to a younger leader. Now, no one would ever say that, but their actions speak louder than their words, right? And so this is true in business, it's true in church, and so here I am overseeing a couple hundred. Ask me if that's an issue. 100% it's an issue. JC can tell you, we spend a lot of time trying to help people pass the baton because that is a really wise thing to do. And so here's my point in telling you all of this. Wisdom doesn't necessarily come with age. People will tell you, they'll just have to get over that. No, they really don't. They can die just like that. Ask me how I know. You can live in your dysfunction as much as you want. You can choose to grow from your dysfunction or from your family of origin issues, or you can understand them or not understand them. It's your choice. So wisdom is there, but you don't have to apply it. Wisdom's in the scripture, but you don't have to live out the scripture. Wisdom is in Jesus, but you don't have to live close to him. It's your choice. It's your wise choice to make those changes, but you don't have to. And that's why you can follow a young leader, because they're full of wisdom, because they're full of the Holy Spirit, because they're following Jesus, because they're saying, those might be my family of origin issues, but I'm not going to stay there. Psalm, or Proverbs, nope, Psalms, 110.10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Why would fear have anything to do with being wise? Fear, what you fear is what you master, what has mastery over you. Think about it, spiders. We have in our office someone who's mastered by spiders. I have some woman that I know quite well that will remain um, nameless that's afraid of bees. Like to the point that grandchildren were in a moving car and she jumped out of it because there was a bee in it. I don't know who that would be, but bees are her master. Heights. I grew up watching Galloping Gertie. Now I live by it. I don't like that bridge. There's something wrong about that bridge. Crowds. Some of you hate crowds. Some of you hate the dark. Some of you hate public speaking. Those fears are your limits. I hate sexual immorality. Why? Because I watch it destroy my family. I have watched it destroy family after family. I watch it destroy church after church. I fear sexual immorality. I think it's a good thing for you to think about fearing that one. I fear addiction. You know why? I watched it destroy my family. I watched it destroy families. I've watched it destroy all kinds of people. Addiction is fearful. I don't want to play with things that I could become addicted to. I fear being without God, so I press into him. Wisdom isn't just for the age. Wisdom is for the Bible reading, Bible living, God breathing, 
human. Wisdom, my third and final point, is found in community. Verse 16 says, every scripture has been inspired by the Holy Spirit, the breath of God. It will empower you by its instruction and correction, giving you the strength to take the right direction and lead you deeper into the path of godliness. Churches are missing this so, so much today. I read a bunch of stuff um, this week on loneliness. And our culture is more lonely than it has ever been. Um, and what the church, I think, forgets is that we, we can be the answer to that. We seriously could be the answer to people's loneliness. And, um, and here's what happens, because we visit maybe 40 churches a year. Um, people will tell, tell us this every time. We are the friendliest church. That's awesome. We are so friendly. You know, I shop at Safeway. I worked there when I was a kid. Still loyal to this day. That lady calls me by my first name when she sees my check every time. Excuse me, I don't have a checkbook anymore. Uh, when she sees me swipe. Uh, thank you, Mr. Veach. I'm like, that's her job. I used to do it. Is that person interested in me? No. She's being friendly. I'm not opposed to it. I think it's better than being rude. And that's good, but I don't expect to like go and have coffee with the checker, you know? I don't expect to like, hey, can you come over for Christmas? No, I don't think that at all. And so oftentimes, we think that friendship, are you playing me off already? Like, I got a long ways to go. <laughs> this is how much I have right here. You have five, yeah, you have a lot of time left. 527. So you play away, but that's, I'm using all of that. You do whatever you, you, you do you, boo. <laughs> See, firewood doesn't burn alone. <laughs> Psalm 68, 6. God says to lonely in families. And the scripture, the passage about scripture is you need a group of people to help you interpret scripture. So often people try to do it on their own and you know what they end up leading? It's called cults. If it's not part of Christian history, understand it's probably off. Proverbs 27, 17 says, iron sharpens iron. So one person sharpens another. Not by my selfie. Iron sharpens iron. So, millennials, now Gen Z, considered the loneliest generation ever. Who's to be blamed for them being lonely? Oftentimes it's social media, selfies and Instagram and Twitter, which JC would never have because he's a contrarian. Everyone blames technology, but I would like to add to that list helicopter parents and absent parents and failed families of origin and school debt and busyness and commutes. Julianne Holt Lenston, an author, says this, generation lonely, 10,000 followers and no friends. Her research shows this. 
Monthly church attendance fell in the 70s to the present. Tell us something we don't know. In 1974, a third of Americans spent time socially with their neighbors several times a week, and now only 19% do. We're spending less time conversing with coworkers, going from an average of two and a half weeks, hours a week to just one today. Families are becoming smaller. The percentage of single children, single parent, no parent has doubled. So what do you do? How many of you know Legos? So I didn't grow up with Legos. Uh, I played ball. My dad was a coach. I was a coach's kid. My kids grew up with balls. They didn't care about Legos. And now I have grandkids, nine of them. And some of them are really into this thing called Legos. I don't get it. But I have to sit down with them and they like have to follow every detailed step. I don't do, do details. That's why I hired JC. But now I'm like, I got a Lego and I got to put every detail. And it's got to be in the right spot. Because if you cover it up, what happens? You can't put the next one where it belongs. That's how it is with church people. It's not friendliness. It's do I fit here? Will someone let me in their friend group? And one of the biggest problems with an established congregation is getting us to where we will allow us or ourselves to have new friends. Because people walk through those doors, not because the usher's really nice or because Omar's cute. I mean, Misty thinks so, but you only got to fool one, people. <laughs> right? That's my motto. I only had to fool one. And they don't come here for that. They don't come because Robbie's got more keyboards than music, uh, the music store. I mean, like, they don't come for that. They come because somebody invited them and they made a friend. It's the greatest evangelistic tool of America and we're not using it. People are looking for a place to belong, someplace they can actually come out and have friends. Could you just be friends to people? That's what they're looking for. And you could lead them to Jesus in the midst of their loneliness because they know there's something missing. There's a whole bunch of somethings. It doesn't matter how good they look on social media because nobody puts their bad stuff on social media. Here's the worst picture I took of myself. My wife says, you can't post that one. I'm like, it looks normal. No, I look terrible. All right. Because I hear about it if I post the bad one, right? So what do we do? Number one, live committed to the wisdom of Scripture. Number two, live committed to Jesus. He's the only one that's going to clean your dirt. And he is wisdom. And three, live in the wisdom of community. Still seconds to go. 15 seconds. Thank you, Jesus, for this time together. We pray your blessing upon this congregation. Lord, may they be full of wisdom, not because they're led by an old gray hair, but because they're led by the power of your Holy Spirit through Scripture. Thank you for leaders that are committed to the Bible. Thank you for leaders that are followable. Thank you for godly people. Now, Lord, help us to be on mission because the mission of Federal Way is needs to be saved. People need to come to know you, and they're right outside of our doors feeling so disconnected and discouraged. Help us, Lord, to reach them and fill them with the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Can we thank Pastor Dave? Amen. I think I need to invite you here every year for a good roasting, you know? That's, that's good stuff. Love it. Um, we're going to close out together and, uh, and just pray in response. So if I can have you, you could stand to your feet if you can. And um, I feel like it was a very challenging word, very good word. And I know that there might be some areas of what he shared that is challenging in your own life. And I feel like we ought to respond and we ought to allow the Holy Spirit to search our hearts and to say, God, what area in my life do I need to acquire this wisdom? I think for a lot of us, we've heard the Lord speak. And in just a few minutes or seconds here, I want to have you have an opportunity to to respond. So can we do that? Can we just right now just bow our heads and close our eyes? And the reason why I ask that is just for there to be no distraction so that you could have that stillness in your soul right now. And you heard a message, and I think there was parts of it that resonated with you. What are the parts that challenged you the most? Now I'm going to ask you to pray a very powerful prayer. Prayer that will change your life. But it's a simple prayer and it's just saying, yes, Lord. So whatever that is, whatever he stirred on your heart, whatever you know the challenge is there and you're going to trust him and you're going to say, yes, Lord, I trust you. Yes, Lord, I will. Yes, Lord, help me through. And I believe that if you pray that sincerely right now, you will sense a peace. But the Bible describes it this way, that it surpasses all understanding. It's his peace to know that you're not alone. It's his peace to know that he's standing alongside you, that he's gonna create the space for you to do it right, to do it in a way that you will not have to fall or stumble. The Bible says that his word is a light. It is a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. And it's through the wisdom of the word that we can now see where we're going. Many of us are desperate for that. We feel lost, feel aimless. And right now, the clarity of the word is to say that he will lead you and guide you. And you're not alone. Come on, let's pray. Let's respond right now. Father, I thank you for the word. Thank you, Lord, for the challenge. And God, I just lift up my friends in this room right now. God, that for the very first time, maybe this is a, a big, giant step in their heart step of change, a step of a new beginning, God, whatever that is, give them the courage right now to say, yes, Lord, to respond with a heart that says, God, I'm going to trust you no matter what. You brought me this far. You're not going to let me down. I believe. And Lord, I pray right now with these needs, wherever they're at right now, whatever this means, I pray that they receive that peace that you promised. We thank you, Lord, for this holy moment. We pray that you help us to continue out this week to remember this moment. We trust you in all things. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' powerful name, we all say amen, amen. Can we thank Pastor Dave again? Amen. Love having you here. Well, next week, we get to put a lot of this in practice. I'm gonna ask you, to plan to hang out a little longer next week. Open up your calendar to us because we're gonna have a 
church barbecue. I know we have two services here and sometimes we don't get to know everybody who comes to our church. Well, guess what? Next week, we all get to come together, share some food. It's completely free. It's our way to bless you and bless our community and bless this fellowship. So hopefully you make plans to be here after this service next week so we can sit down and eat and have a good time. Well, God bless you guys. Have a wonderful week. See you next week.